Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you about it. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Benny. How are you doing today? Um, about as well as can be expected. Um, we are recording this on June 6th. So there's a lot of, there's a lot going on right now. Um, Indeed there is. Yeah. If I was looking at my calendar correctly, then I believe this episode is actually published on July 4th. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. I think (laughs) normally we would, like, say something about that, but at the rate that things are changing in the world, I think what I want to say is that I hope that celebrating Independence Day is still a relevant thing when this episode's published. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. um, It is a little hard to celebrate our country when some... Like, to me, the thing about all the stuff that's been going on isn't so much that, like, oh, like, what a surprise cops are killing black people because like i think we, we've known that that's been happening i think the thing that's been so hard for me is seeing how many people either don't care or actively try to like ignore or change the conversation um and that's that's hard that's depressing yeah for sure um yeah so yeah, and of course, reminding our listeners that that we are recording this in the past on June 6, so we have no idea what's going to happen in June, how things might change for better or for worse in the following month before y'all listen to this. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh <laughs> maybe maybe at least at the local level, um Things, you know, there'll have been real changes and significant um, policy uh, improvements and stuff like that. But, yeah, we um, it's, it's going to be a long struggle, I think. It's going to be a, a long fight. And uh, anyone who's expecting this to, like, blow over or end soon or anything, I think that's not likely... Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. If you're wondering about changes in audio quality on my end, I will say that this is indeed the first full episode recorded from my new house that I moved to recently. Yay! And yeah, I am still trying to figure out the best recording space in the house because my office is pretty echoey and so I'm not in there at the moment. But the room I'm currently in has lots of boxes and clothing and stuff, so hopefully that will help provide a better sound experience for you listeners. It's such good incentive to just leave the boxes lying around. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we are still recording um, remotely, so I'm I'm still in my apartment, um, and uh, I haven't even gotten to see Kyle's new house in person yet, so... Hopefully, uh, someday, maybe when we have a um, vaccine or something, then 
<laughs> we'll be able to once again hang out and get a tour in person of Kyle's new digs. Indeed. We have promised a housewarming party at some <laughs> indefinite point in the future. Maybe we'll celebrate the one-year anniversary of you guys moving <laughs> Yeah, that actually doesn't seem terribly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, did you have anything else that you wanted to cover before we start talking about Doctor Who? Uh, no, I think that was basically what I wanted to say. Uh, I guess I will add that if our listeners are out there playing with fireworks, that I hope that they do that safely. Yeah, and please take care of your pets. Um, give them a safe space. And uh, if, uh, if you can go play with fireworks somewhere away from residential areas so you're not terrifying other people's pets, please do so. Indeed. Also, fuck the police. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> episode's title is going to be all, I remember that was good the last one was the cave of 500 eyes and then this one was going to be this is episode 17 the wall of lies oh right yes I, I remember it has something to do with the other one and it rhymed that's oh that's awesome. right yeah 500 eyes wall of lies <laughs> and they both <laughs> sound awesome that's also uh, something that uh-huh. ties them together yeah, continuing the theme of this serial of awesome-sounding episode titles. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so when last we left our heroes, I think Barbara had been kidnapped, um, and she's in a secret chamber of the uh, eponymous Cave of 500 Eyes. Um, I hope I'm using the word eponymous correctly. I think we've established that our grammar <laughs> technology is not as advanced <laughs> as uh, maybe some of our listeners. That, um, that seems like a correct usage. <laughs> thank I'm not going to like Google the, the definition, but, oh, but that seems right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so Barbara's been kidnapped. Um, our heroes are looking for her, and they found, I think, her handkerchief in the cave um and the doctor was getting impatient saying that pink cho and susan were just distracting him but now that they found her handkerchief hopefully they might start to help her out um so she was i think she was like trying to call for help i think she heard them or something but they can't hear her or something like that yeah so so I decided to watch the loose cannon reconstruction for this one again. I I think I left that as our and a podcast cliffhanger last time, whether <laughs> I was going to watch the CGI version or the loose cannon version. Our, our podcast? What? I'm not familiar with this. <laughs> oh, I, I have Cliff Danglers. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I decided that I just wanted to see the actual actors. Uh, even if they were static images, I would rather see that than the CGI representations. Yeah. But I did go ahead and watch the colorized version again, because I figured might as well. Nice. 
does it does it feel a little bit like cheating to see them in color <laughs> <laughs> a little bit yeah uh, in fact i i saw a clip in when i was trying to find the correct episode i accidentally watched the start of roof of the world again mm. and it was all colorized and because the start of it is the cliff dangler of the previous episode, there's actual video instead of just images, like static images, and they'd colorize that video. Oh, whoa. And that was really interesting. Yeah, I imagine it's a lot harder to uh, colorize video than just a still image. Probably, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, so at the start, we have the cliff dangler with Susan and the Doctor in the cave. They're looking for Barbara, and... At the very end of the previous episode, Susan screams because she says that she sees some of the statue eyes moving, you know, some of these 500 eyes in the cave. Mm-hmm. In this episode, we cut from this over to one of the Mongols, whose name we learn is Chenchu, telling Marco Polo that Tagana took a horse and headed out to the Cave of 500 Eyes. Hmm. Suspicious. Yeah. Marco turns to Ian and he says, When will your companions realize I know what I'm talking about when I say it's dangerous to wander about at night? First, Barbara, now the doctor goes off taking Susan and Pincho with him. And Ian's just like, dude, chill. You can get angry at us later. Let's go save people now. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> our dudes are getting kidnapped. <laughs> what, do you, what do you expect? <laughs> uh huh. So, you know, Marco agrees. Of course, we, watching the Loose Cannon Reconstruction, just get to see the John Cura telesnaps, but I think if you listen closely in the soundtrack, you can actually hear Marco Polo roll his eyes at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I think... Barbara got kidnapped and then the others went looking for her. So it's not like everyone's just wandering off randomly. <laughs> sure. Marco doesn't know this, though. Oh, Marco. Marco Polo. Back in the cave. Wait, wait, wait. Um, when uh, when they're looking for people, does Marco say, okay, okay, in order to find people that we can't see, let's just start yelling my name, my first <laughs> name, and then they can yell my last name back to me. <laughs> <laughs> That is actually the the first thing he proposes. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to back in the cave, and the doctor completely dismisses the idea that Susan saw any eyes move. He calls it rubbish, child. I feel like, you know, one of these days the doctor is going to get replaced by some shapeshifter or something, and then someone's going to, like, share something scary that they saw or, you know, a theory that they have with him, and he's going to believe them, and they're going to be like, wait a second, you are <laughs> not you the do? doctor. <laughs> Where's the real doctor? <laughs> so Tigana shows up at the cave at this point and asks the doctor and Susan and Ping Cho what they're doing. And the doctor says they're looking for Miss Wright. Tagana, like, you know, wonders why she might be there or whatever. And the doctor shows Tagana the handkerchief that they had just found there in the cave. Mm -hmm. And Tagana changes the subject. (laughs) (laughs) He says, nice weather we've been having lately. (laughs) What a lovely sandstorm we had the other day. My goodness. Uh-huh. No, no, he he goes back to his other favorite classic. 
It is not wise to remain in these caves. They are possessed with evil spirits. <laughs> Always about evil spirits with the guy. Bust out those evil spirits. Uh huh. But the doctor says, "I'm not afraid of ghosts." <laughs> and Tigana's like, Oh, yes, I forgot. You're a magician, aren't you? And the doctor just laughs. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's exactly what a magician would do. <laughs> they start to hear Ian and Marco calling for them. You know, they hear the Marco, Marco <laughs> off in the distance. <laughs> Start calling Polo back at them, <laughs> and I'm so glad we got a chance to actually like use that. <laughs> ever since I, you know, ever since we found out that we had a Marco Polo episode, I've been like, man, I kept trying to find some way to work it in. <laughs> <laughs> it takes just a few calls before you know they're able to reunite the group, and Tagana again urges everyone to leave before the spirits are angered. And the doctor starts laughing derisively and says, Oh, this man thinks the cave is haunted. Which I thought was pretty shitty of the doctor. <laughs> it was, yeah, man, like, come on. It's yeah. people's cultures there. Kind of going back to his whole, Oh, you don't understand. I knew you wouldn't from like clear back from the start. Yeah. I feel like he's just been kind of stuck there the whole time. Yeah. That's just where he lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He doesn't think the cave is haunted, so clearly anybody who does must be a complete and utter fool, obviously. Also, I mean, what if what we think of as ghosts are actually just space vampires? Right, there's always the possibility of space <laughs> vampires. Or at least so I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Ping Cho points out that Tagana is actually not the only one. Susan saw some eyes move. Which, of course, the doctor, again, immediately dismisses as rubbish. But Ian actually shows some interest in this and, like, asks Susan which eyes and, like, goes and checks him out. Yeah, good for you, Ian. Yeah. I believe your other party members. As Ian is doing this, Tagana puts on a big show of, like, entreating the evil spirits as Ian approaches. And he says... Do not strike them down, great spirits of Hashashim. Depart! The warlord Takana entreats you. And Ian's like, Is it safe for us to look now? <laughs> so basically what he's saying is like, Hey, all you dudes hanging out, like, you know, looking Scooby-Doo style through the eyes of the statues. Like, maybe just lie low for a bit. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> so Ian's like, it's safe for us to look now. And Tagana's like, oh, whatever. I don't actually give a fuck. And he just leaves. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's, that's BDE right there. <laughs> <laughs> Ian tells the doctor that Susan was right. She did see the eyes move. And the doctor continues a third time, dismissing it as rubbish, and asks Ian what proof he has. And Ian's like, I've just seen the move myself. Oh, oh. And he realizes that they've been like set into the cave wall from behind. And he then further realizes that this means that there must be another room in the cave. 
this wall. (laughs) (laughs) So he finds a crack and figures out the door and is about to like try to open the door when the the door just kind of swings open, Mm. revealing a Mongol with his sword raised about to strike Barbara down. Everyone roll initiative. (laughs) So they do roll initiative. Uh, I think our group gets a sneak attack because of the door. Oh, good. Yeah, the Mongol didn't, didn't expect them coming. So Marco's able to overpower the Mongol, and Ian goes over and unties and comforts Barbara. Cool. Yeah, turns out all the Mongols had basically like rolled dice to figure out like who is going to get to kill her. And this guy won, apparently. Is that like for real in the episode, or is that a bit... No, that's for real. Like that's in Barbara's dialogue. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Later on, back at the camp, Marco is telling Tagana about what happened, and Tagana's like, "Dude, why do you care about them?" And Marco's like, "Well, you know, I stole their fucking caravan. The least I can do is keep them safe." Yeah, dude. Come on. <laughs> I thought that was pretty decent of him. You know, yeah. it's not not as decent as like <laughs> not sealing the TARDIS in the first place. Well, yeah, <laughs> but but pretty decent. Yeah. Tagana's like, well, do you think they feel the same way about you? And Marco's like, Psh, no, the Doctor fucking hates me, but I think all the others are pretty cool with me. Yeah, seems about right. <laughs> <laughs> Tagana's like, dude. The doctor's their leader. He's already turned Ping Cho against you. Marco's not particularly concerned, though, because he believes that any power that they have is all locked up in the TARDIS, which, of course, he's got the key to. Or so he believes. Right. Well, I guess he does have the key. He just has one of the keys. He has a key. Yes. (laughs) Tagana's like, Does a magician need a key to open a door? Marco's like, man, I don't know. You're the expert. (laughs) He's always talking about magicians. (laughs) Ian, Barbara, Susan, and Ping Cho all enter the room at this point. Or the tent, rather. And Marco's like, you all realize that you're lucky to be alive, right? Why did you leave camp without my permission again? And so Barbara tells him that she followed Tagana to the cave. Which Tagana denies. Of course saying that he's only ever been there once and Barbara was already there when he arrived. Mm. It seems like Marco is not quite sure what to believe, but he ends up like inclined to believe Tagana. And he ends up forbidding Ping Cho from hanging out with Susan anymore. Aww. Yeah. They're friends. Yeah, that was pretty sad. Everyone was upset about that. Also, I feel like, I know that the episode title promised us lies, but I feel like Tagana's just been lying this whole time, so like, (laughs) that ain't you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think because of the previous episode titles, I was somehow expecting like a literal wall. Maybe. But. Maybe we'll still get a literal wall. Yeah. Maybe not. You you know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of seems like they're just building like a a metaphorical wall of lies at this point. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's to avoid saying the episode title and using some of the fireworks budget. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that they 
I've been using quite a bit of that lately. Yeah. Hi, Kyle here. Thanks for listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would leave a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. But aside from that, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel welcome to drop us a line by emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. So Marco records another Indiana Jones map captain's log. I love those. I know I say that every time, but I <laughs> love them every time. Uh-huh. In this one, he talks about how his caravan is just seething with suspicion and discontent. Oh, man. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got some purple prose there. <laughs> uh, again, apologies to our literature listeners who know the actual definitions of these terms and how we're using them incorrectly. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that sounds right to me. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Not much else interesting happens in this captain's log though. He basically just like describes the route that's being shown on the Indiana Jones map and like which cities they're going past and stuff. Which is helpful because we don't have the picture anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He does mention the great wall of Cathay, which I thought was pretty cool. But does he mention any lies? (laughs) we get a brief scene later on where the doctor tells barbara and ian that he thinks he'll have the new circuit for the tardis ready in the next day or so cool everyone is looking forward to leaving uh although barbara does express some regret for susan at having to leave ping Mm chou after they've been kept apart for so long anyway Mm mm-hmm And at this point, the doctor states that he wishes that they hadn't associated with each other at all in the first place. The doctor. Yeah. Come on. He apparently, Ping Cho makes him nervous. He Mm. calls her the Chinese girl, which seemed pretty racist Mm. to me. But I guess she saw the TARDIS key. Like when she and Susan went to the doctor to tell them that, you know, they thought Barbara had been kidnapped. At that point, Ping Cho saw the TARDIS key. Mm -hmm. And so because she knows that the doctor has a key, she makes the doctor nervous. But the fact that she hasn't told anyone about the key kind of makes her, you know, trustworthy. Yeah, like it's been a while and she hasn't said anything, so... I think he's just being racist. Yeah, kind of sounds that way. Susan and Ping Cho do actually get to have a brief conversation as well at this point, where Ping Cho talks about like how happy she was earlier and how great this journey was until the two of them got split up. Aww. And like Marco won't even tell her why. Aww. They talk about how they wish that they could prove that Tagana had lied about being at the cave, but Ping Cho says it wouldn't make any difference anyway, mm-hmm. because she knows that Susan will be leaving soon. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, she's assuming that Susan's grandfather must be nearly done with his work fixing the caravan. Of course, she's correct. He is almost done. Mm-hmm. Ping Cho 
makes Susan promise to come say goodbye before leaving, which, of course, Susan readily agrees to. Mm-hmm. And to help cheer Susan up, Ping Cho says, I'd forgotten you knew anything about the key. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what that line meant. I thought maybe she was like promising to not tell Marco about it or something. That's kind of what I would assume too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, neither of them know that Tagana overheard this entire conversation. <laughs> Gosh darn it, Tagana. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we skip ahead to a few days later by means of another captain's log where, like, basically nothing happens other than they travel to the next location. Mm-hmm. And at the next location, when Ping Cho overhears Tagana asking Marco where his bag is, and Marco tells him that it's in the passageway, a little light bulb goes on above Ping Cho's head, and she has an insight and tells Susan that she can prove that Tagana lied about the cave. Nice. Marco overhears this and asks about it, you know, what are you doing accusing, you know, this important emissary of being a liar, basically? <laughs> this upstanding citizen. Right. And Ping Cho says that when they showed Tagana Barbara's handkerchief that they had found in the cave, he asked if they had found it in the passageway. Mm. But if he had never been to the cave before... How would he know that the dark corner was a passageway? Indeed. Uh So, yeah, of course, Susan's like, oh, yeah, totally. Marco doesn't buy it, though. Oh, come on, Marco. This is your proof. You call this evidence? And on these grounds, you dare to call the warlord Tagana a liar? Yes. You foolish child. How dare you make such a reckless accusation? Hey, now. Believe me. It will take much more than this to shake my confidence in Tagana. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Tagana, meanwhile, is off having a cup of tea with Shady Dude. That last scene really felt like one of those video games where it's like, persuade, but then your chances are like <laughs> less than 100%, and uh-huh. you pick that dialogue option anyway, and then it's like, failure. Right. Marco Polo. It's like, you know, you're... It'll take much more than that, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the the information you've gathered has unlocked this dialogue option, but mm-hmm. it has like a 30% chance of success. Yeah. Your persuade score just isn't high enough. Uh-huh. So Tagana is off having tea with Shady Dude, whose name we learn is Akamat. To me, he will always be Shady Dude. <laughs> and Shady Dude thinks that Tagana should have killed everyone when he had the chance. But Tagana's like, no, 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 don't worry, it'll be cool. Caravan's gonna leave soon, and on our second night out, I'll silence the guard and I'll signal to you. Then you all come in sneakily and stealthily and kill everyone. Jeez. (laughs) These guys. Uh Uh-huh. Shady Dude asks about the TARDIS... And Tagana tells him that he should send it on to Khan no Kai, while Tagana goes to Sheng Tu and basically spreads stories about bandit attacks. 
you know, saying like the TARDIS mm-hmm. or the caravan was stolen by bandits or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Akama or Shady Dude's final question is if Tigana has any suggestions on the uh, the old magician. How can you kill him? And Tigana suggests with a stake through the heart. <laughs> what? <laughs> course what Tagana doesn't know and what I think we the viewers also don't know yet and probably aren't going to learn for several years is that I believe the doctor actually has multiple hearts <laughs> yeah I think I think that's canon also does that mean that Tagana thinks that the doctor is a space vampire <laughs> I think he must I'm not the only one who thinks everyone's a space vampire <laughs> I mean that is t- you know, traditionally how you kill space vampires. <laughs> so that evening, the doctor sneaks down to the courtyard to check out the TARDIS and, you know, go do some more work on it and whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a guard there. So he has to kind of hide and wait for the guard to leave before he unlocks the door and slips in with Barbara on the lookout. But after he enters the TARDIS... Tagana shows up in the courtyard. Barbara, of course, suspects that Tagana saw the doctor entering the TARDIS, so she goes off to tell Ian. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, inside the TARDIS, the doctor does kind of a boom, 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 like singing to himself, <laughs> like while he's installing the new circuit board or whatever. Mm-hmm. And... Ian has an idea. So first he checks the courtyard and makes sure that Tagana's not there. Mm-hmm. Also makes sure that Marco Polo's not around. They think he's in his room. Mm. So Ian tells Barbara that he's going to try a bluff. And he says if it works, they can turn the tables on Tagana. So he asks Barbara to quickly go and get the doctor out of the TARDIS and then hide. Okay, I'm kind of curious as to how this is going to work. Yeah, they didn't also they how, didn't quite explain what the bluff was going to be. How high is uh, Ian's bluff stat? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's setting up like quite the situation. I think if I were the GM, I would probably make it a fairly difficult role. Mm-hmm. You know, just based on what he's attempting here. So he finds Marco, and first he starts off by just asking him about why he separated Pincho and Susan. Yeah. Marco says it's because Susan's a bad influence on Pincho. <laughs> <laughs> Is that and, music she listens to? Uh-huh. He points to Pincho backing Ian against Tagana. And Ian's like, uh, maybe that's because we were telling the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And Marco's like, dude, listen, Tagana is like the big, important peace emissary from Nogai, traveling to talk peace with Kublai Khan. Y'all are just some mysterious travelers from some far off land I don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. Who the fuck do you think I'm going to believe? Who would you believe if you were in my position? Well, if, you know, people have evidence, 
Yeah, Ian's just like, well, uh, I should keep an open mind. Yes. Thank you, Ian. At this point, Tagana enters the room and is like, hey, Marco, the old magician is in his caravan. Marco asks Ian if that's true, and Ian's like, Well, uh, why don't we go outside and have a look? Mm -hmm. So, I guess the plan is that Barbara will have gotten the doctor out of the TARDIS by now, and, like, gone off and hid with him. So by the time Marco, Tagana, and Ian arrive at the TARDIS to check it out, the doctor's not going to be in it. Mm. So, you know... And then Margot will stop trusting Tagana. In the courtyard, Marco is like, Tagana, are you really sure he's in there? And Tagana's like, When the warlord Tagana says it is so, Marco, it is so. He is in there. Okay. <laughs> and turns out, Tagana's right. Oh, dang it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's never explained how or why, but I guess Barbara didn't get the Doctor out of the TARDIS in time because the Doctor exits the TARDIS just then with Marco, Ian, and Tagana all watching. Mm -hmm. Ian, like, shouts at him as he exits and he quickly, like, shuts and locks the door behind him. And Marco demands the key and the Doctor refuses to give it to him. So Tagana just like wrenches it out of the doctor's hand and takes it from him. Mm. And yeah, that, that bluff check did not go as <laughs> planned. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, the doctor's got a pretty low strength, so he's not going to do well in like a grappling contest yeah, against Tagana. I think we've established that he min-maxed his stats pretty hard. Of course, at this point, the doctor reveals that the TARDIS uses two-factor authentication. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So with two-factor authentication, normally you need a piece of information, which is usually your password mm -hmm. in today's day and age. And you also need a physical object, which is usually like your phone that they text you a code on. So the doctor says, Put that key in the lock, Polo, and you will destroy the ship. Then where will your precious can be, hmm? You need more than a key to enter my ship. You need knowledge. Knowledge you will never possess. So this is, you know, classic 2FA. Mm -hmm. Physical object is the key, mm -hmm. and information is whatever knowledge the doctor's referring to. Of course, he's smart enough to not say, like, what this piece of knowledge is. <laughs> he doesn't even give us any hints, like, you'll never guess my mother's maiden name, <laughs> or... I didn't even have a pet growing up. I just made up a name for that security question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember at one point we also learned that like you have to put the key in the right slot somehow. Yeah, there's like a whole bunch of different slots. And if you hit the wrong one, then like the whole lock melts or something. <laughs> I wonder how that uh, factors into the 2FA or if that's the, the knowledge that he's referring to. That could be. Maybe that's just the knowledge. Maybe it's 3FA, though. Ah, uh, maybe. <laughs> Marco officially seizes the TARDIS in the name of Kublai Khan and states that... Any resistance to this decree 
is instantly punishable by death. Dang. Yeah. The doctor calls him uh poor, pathetic, stupid savage. <laughs> Dang, dude. <laughs> and Tagana's like, who's causing trouble now, Marco? Uh yeah, I feel like that was a little a little problematic there, Doctor. Yeah, that was a pretty problematic. I mean maybe that's a reflection of his low charisma, I guess. If he's keeping up with the min maxing. <laughs> very generous of you. We get another captain's log where Marco complains about like how shitty this whole journey has gotten. Yeah, fair. I feel but that. He says that he has been able to keep Susan and Ping Cho separated by basically setting up a whole separate tent for the doctor and his companions. Hmm. At the next destination, we see a guard sitting outside our hero's tent. And inside the tent, tensions are pretty high. They're basically getting tired of being under lock and key. And Ian wants to try to escape. And the doctor agrees. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, the TARDIS is basically just sitting out there all ready to go. The new circuit board is in place, and, like, they're just sitting here in the tent. Of course, Marco, at this point, has both keys. Mm -hmm. Apparently there were only two, I guess. The doctor (laughs) doesn't have, like, a secret third key. Come on, dude. He he thought of making a second key. Did you really expect him to have to make a third key as well? (laughs) So the only solution that the doctor sees is that they're just going to have to capture Marco Polo and hold him hostage until they can get back into the TARDIS and GTFO. Man, we keep getting kidnapped. It's about time that we kidnap one of them. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Ian had, like a minute ago, in frustration, he had, like, broken his dinner plate. Mm -hmm. And so now he uses a piece of this broken plate to cut a hole in the side of the tent because he's going to like sneak out through this hole in the tent and then go overpower the guard and then come back to the tent to let the doctor and everyone else out. It does seem like sticking dudes in a soft tent with only one guard watching it, one stationary guard, is maybe not the most secure. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, giving them... Like porcelain <laughs> or ceramic, I probably porcelain actually. Like yeah, that does just kind of seem like it's it's inviting them to escape. Yeah. So, Ian goes ahead and starts carrying out his plan. He cuts through the back wall of the tent and gets out without being noticed. Mm-hmm. And he starts kind of sneaking through the courtyard. Rolling his stealth checks. Yes. And he's sneaking up on the guard from behind. Seems like he's doing pretty well on his stealth checks. He's rolling high because the guard isn't noticing him. And he's able to actually reach the guard and, like, grabs him from behind to, you know, like, knock him out or whatever. Mm -hmm. But as he grabs him, 
the guard just tips over because he's already dead. Oh, that's convenient. (laughs) And at this point, the screen goes black and the title next episode, the writer from Sheng 2 appears on screen. Oh, interesting. Maybe not quite as exciting uh, a title for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. After, you know, the Cave of 500 Eyes and the Wall of Lies, and now it's like, oh, somebody's coming to visit. I mean, I guess, you know, Sheng 2 sounds pretty cool and exciting, especially to probably UK audiences. Yeah. Um, Shing Tu has been Marco Polo's destination for most of this journey, so. Mm-hmm. So I, I assume that, like, Tagana killed the guard to try to frame um, Ian and his companions and, you know, the doctor. Yeah, I think that's part of it, or partially it. Um, but I think this is also the night that Tagana is going to signal to to Shady Dude that they uh, should come attack. Yeah, of course, that makes sense. So he's, like, killing the guard in advance. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, exciting. Indeed. Um, yeah, I'm curious who the writer from Shang 2 is going to be. That seems pretty cool. It might be a little bit of a spoiler that they make it to Shang Tu. Well, maybe they don't, they don't make it to Shang Tu. Maybe the writer comes from Shang Tu and meets them. Yeah, I suppose there's p- multiple ways that that can be interpreted. <laughs> I know you already know. From Shang Tu. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cool. But I suppose what we do know is that it's going to be a new character because we don't. I don't think we know anyone from Shang Tu yet. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, you know, things are definitely moving along. Um, and I'm curious to see where they go next. Yeah, it feels like we're getting towards the end of this. The TARDIS is all fixed now, so... Well, I I mean, to me, the writer from Shang Tu as an episode title doesn't really sound like the serial finale Um, That's a good point. But I guess we'll see. (laughs) Well, I guess our listeners, if they want to know who the writer from Sheng 2 is, should join us in two weeks. Yeah. Or, you know, they could just Google it. But (laughs) I I think they should join us in two weeks. Yeah. Or, you know, there's probably going to be at at the time that we're recording this, we have probably like 10 listeners. Oh, wow. But <laughs> maybe. But, you know, at some point in the future, we might have like 100 and they'll have to like go back and like binge through our back catalog to get caught up to <laughs> whenever, wherever we are when they start listening. Oh, so Kyle. You, they you, won't have to listen. They won't have to wait at all. You and your big dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Someday, 100 listeners. 
Well, we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I remain perfectly happy to create these episodes just for our few loyal listeners. Thank you so yeah, much for too. tuning in. <laughs> and yeah, maybe, maybe someday we'll have, wow, a hundred listeners. Okay, cool. Well. 200 years <laughs> or fewer. If, you know, we have any listeners with only one ear, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see you in uh, two weeks then. Bye. Bye. Hi, Kyle here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com, or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. Pum, 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 pum,